Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. I love how the Holy Spirit has been doing everything this morning to make this moment right here, right now. And we have an opportunity in those time and moments, are we going to join in with him or is it going to offend us because it's not what we think or we're distracted or all the things we carry and um, I'm just excited about what he's going to do and I'm just going to try to follow him the best I can. um, We're going to Genesis 35. As you know, next week we are coming together for one purpose And honestly, it should be our one purpose every week, and that is to worship Jesus. So, in that sense, I've said it. But there's something significant about this time and this season that we are in. And for you, if you're a part of this house, some of this may be a repeat. Um, If you are visiting for the first time, I feel confident that Holy Spirit can speak to you and it's going to be right for you're here. It's not a mistake. We started um, last, at the beginning of the year, I asked Jennifer if she would gather the prophetic people that they've been walking together and would they just be seeking the Lord particularly what is God saying for this house in this time in this season and they took that seriously they took time and they came together pulled together and then they began to share with Sam and I and we're in a time and a season where the Lord is saying that there's things that he is wanting and to do in and through this house. I don't think it's just about this house in case there's any confusion. I believe it's the body of Christ, but we just happen to be in this house. And so we got that. And then it was like, how do we take what the prophetic word is and how do we partner with that in prayer? and make space for that that we can move in unity and say yes God if this is what you're saying we want to make space and we want to get ourselves ready and we want to do our part and then you do what only you can do and so we've been on this journey of that and then um, Jennifer and Sam and I met, met several times like what does that look like and then we came up with Jennifer um spent some time for such a time as this. We started this, I'm not even sure what week. Yeah, anyway, June. And this wasn't just like, hey, we want you guys to like have fun and have something to do this summer. Like we are saying, we really feel like the more we can come together around what the Lord is saying for this house and partner with him individually and corporately, the more space we make for him that he can actually bring forth what he wants to do. Who wants to see church go beyond just the usualness of what we know church in America? Well, you know, we can sit here and ask God to come do it. And what if he said, I'm waiting for you? And maybe it is that there is part that we do, and it is because really only he can do it. So um, Jennifer each week has been putting it before us on Tuesday. Well, now we're Wednesday in prayer. We're a a week in rears, I call it. Um, 
and we're praying uh, because we took the 4th of July off and, and we were praying about these themes for the body. And then Jennifer came we before we um, print, printed it and gave it to you all. She said, I'm really sensing a corporate worship service. And so we said, okay. And so we um, kind of put that on the calendar. And even in that, the number of conversations we had about it and then just the tweaking and allow the Lord, you know, it's like we do our best and we give him permission to redirect and it got redirected, pushed um, another week. And um, anyway, Kimberly, the Sunday we, I believe it was the first Sunday we talked about this, she came up to me and she said, the worship thing, and she said, I really feel like God's given me something for movement and helping the body. And so all these things, it's not like we're just being haphazard. We're being very intentional. What is God saying? And then what things God's put in the body of Christ to be released out? Because it's really not about, um, see, this is God's church. And he is the head, and he just happened to have us in this position as pastors. But our job is to help equip and release the body for the work of the ministry. So are we all in agreement? Okay, so that's where we are. And so next week, we're coming just to worship him because that's what he's told us to do. And um, I, I told Sam, I said, I feel like if we're not intentional to prepare the Sunday before, it may just seem like another song service, and I don't want that. Do you want that? What we want is for the glory of God. And he's here, but I'll tell you something. I'm um, aware. I mean, he's always here. It's just about us aligning and welcoming him and looking. And then, I, but there's just sometimes that he comes in a way that is undeniable him. And it's not like we're trying to get the right code to open the gate because we could keep doing that, wear ourselves out. But we are trying in faith to do what little part he says step out in faith and obedience and then leave the end results to him. Imagine if each one of us begin to do just that. Got our eyes off of what other people were doing and go, well, I'm not, I don't have that, I don't have anything to offer, or why are they doing that, getting offended. But what if we all said, you know what, we're going after the things that the Lord wants for this house, and I'm part of this house, and so all I can do is bend myself to you, yield myself to you, hear what you're saying, step out in faith, however it may look or appear in humility and love, and then you come and do what only you could do. If you, if you haven't picked one up, pick it up. This, this is so simple. We have had some long, complex, weekly, daily, and, and you, can, you, could, you could catch yourself up in a matter of just a few days. And, and it's not, a, I'm, there's, no, there's no heavy except for the, the heaviness of the Lord. You are free to do whatever you feel led to do. There's an invitation for you. There's an invitation for us. So a couple weeks ago, um, maybe three or four, I was reading in Genesis. I've been um, just kind of doing a, daily chapter and it just happened to be I was in Genesis and I was doing you know something I do every morning well 
not religiously, because sometimes I'm like, there's other things I need to be doing, but it's just kind of a track. And this one particular morning, the Lord apprehended, and every time he speaks to me, every time I'm in the word, he's speaking to me, but he apprehended my heart. And that is what I want to talk about today. Is everybody good? Okay. So Genesis 35, God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to your God, whom appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me in the way in which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in his hands and their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed. And the terror of God, the fear of the Lord was upon the cities that were all around them and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he had fled from the face of his brother. I'm going to read verse 8 because it's there. It's going to be one of those, hmm, why is that there in the middle of this? But So Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And she was buried below Bethel under the Terebith tree. So the name of it was called Alon Bakuth. And then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and he blessed him and God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you, I give this land. And then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone. He poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel.
want you to go back and look at the first two verses. God said to Jacob, Arise. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to your God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. I'm going to put this in context now. Many of you may be very familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau. But you know what? I believe we're going to have people coming that may not be familiar. So I'm just going to lay it out without reading all of it. Okay? You hear God of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was Isaac's father. Isaac is Jacob's father. Jacob is married. No, Isaac is married to Rebecca. They get pregnant. And she's feeling crazy town in her womb. And the Lord lets them know there are two nations in your womb. You got twins. And the younger one will, will, um, well, the older one will serve the younger one. Which, if you know anything about um, birth order, and especially in the Hebraic, you know, family, the firstborn carried um, a responsibility to be the firstborn. And they would get a blessing. They get more inheritance. I'm sure there's other that could speak here directly on this. But the gist of it, it was a big deal to be a firstborn son. And for God to let them know the second one is going to actually be the one that's going to carry that firstborn. Time comes. The twins are born. The firstborn comes out and it's Esau. He's red and ruddy, and, um, and then, interesting thing, the second one's coming, and he's holding on to Esau's heel. That was Jacob. This is Jacob who we're talking about. When you hear Jacob and Esau, that's what it's about. So from the beginning, Isaac and Rebekah said, Esau, we'll call him Esau because he's kind of red, and Jacob, we're going to call him Jacob because he's grabbing at the heel. Jacob means surplanter. It means one that strives. It means one that goes after in his own strength. They, they grow up, and um, Esau grows up. He is one that goes out, and he's a hunter. And Jacob is one that he cooks. He tends the fields. And one day Esau had been out hunting and Jacob's made stew. Esau comes back and says, hmm, that smells good. What's cooking? And Jacob's like, I got some stew. He goes, give me some stew. And Jacob said, hey, I tell you what, I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. Both of them were wrong. Esau did not value what God had given him and he traded it for stew. Jacob got after something God had promised him in his own strength. Jacob and Esau. Time goes by. 
Isaac's eyes are dim. Pharaoh, he decides it's time for me to give my son his firstborn blessing. He tells Esau, I want you to go. I want you to catch something for dinner. I want you to cook it the way I like it. And you come and I'm going to bless you. And there was something about the spoken blessing when a father came and he laid his hands on a child and it spoke. It was irrevocable. It was setting things in motion. This was a big deal. Rebecca hears it. She remembers the word. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. I just know everybody's doing everything in their own strength. She tells Jacob, hey, your, your father's about ready to give Esau the blessing. I tell you what, go get me some a sheep and I'm going to cook the stew the way he likes it and we're going to cover you up. How, how he's going to know me, my voice, I'm not hairy like Esau. Don't worry, we got a plan. And there's this whole plan to get in motion through the strength of man what God has said. So they make the stew and Jacob goes... Before Isaac. And he says, Here, Father, here's the stew I've made for you. So that you can bless me. He goes, Who are you? I'm Esau. Here, touch me. Jacob is completely covered with animal skin to deceive his father. Jacob. Because your voice doesn't sound like Esau, but you definitely feel like Esau. And he gives Jacob the firstborn blessing. He goes on, leaves. About this time, Esau comes in. And he says, Father, here's the stew I've made for you that you could bless me. And Isaac said, I've already given your blessing. What? Oh no, your brother. It says it, that Isaac trembled. I wonder if Isaac remembered, I almost gave the blessing to the wrong one because of my preference, because of what I wanted. And yet all of them once again are doing things in their own way. So Esau tell, I mean Isaac tells Jacob, you need to leave. Your brother is, I mean Esau's ready to kill him. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Father, bless me too. And, and that's when Isaac trembled because he knew the things that he had spoken over Jacob would come to pass. Or maybe he trembled because he knew, whoa. It was for Jacob all along. Maybe how it all went about wasn't the right way, but it was what God had desired. And so Jacob flees, and he's on this journey, running from his life, from his brother. How many, how many make your family kind of feel pretty good? Like, we all have family stuff. This is humanity. This is all us. Right? At various degrees. Left to ourself. So Jacob leaves and he gets to a point on this journey. He's tired. He finds a stone. He puts it, his head on the rock and he sleeps. And it's very interesting. I'm going to turn back. You can too if you would like. I think it's around 28 Jacob went from Beersheba toward Haran. He came to a place, stayed there all night. 
verse 10, because the sun is set, and he took one of the stones of that place, and he put it in his head, and he lay down to sleep, and then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. And the, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And also your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the east and the west, to the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, verse 15, God says, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob was completely still and asleep. And then the Lord was able to come in and go, let me tell you what I have in store. Fast forward. And it's going to be really condensed. Jacob, he ends up going back to Rebecca's family. He meets Laban. Jacob is about to meet Match for his money. You reap what you sow. And he's getting ready to experience it in such a way. And once again, all of us can probably say, yep, I can say, yep, I, I have sown some things in my flesh and I've got to reap it. That's okay. Good God, is, you're going to see God is still with Jacob. Say, God is still with me. God is still with you. Do you believe that? It's good news. So anyway, he meets, he meets, um, actually he meets Rachel before he meets Laban. And he's like, woohoo. Literally, they met, he kissed her. Like, that, like you read, it's in the Bible, you can see it. <laughs> and um, he ends up, Going to Laban, meeting Laban. He decided, this is going to be my bride. And Laban says, I tell you what, you work seven years for me, and you can have her as your bride. So Jacob's like, hey, seven years is nothing. I mean, he is spitting and in love, and he is just going. He has, like, given everything he has to Laban. And then seven years come, and it's the wedding day, and he, ha he gets married, and he wakes up to Leah. Rachel's older sister. And he says to Laban, what? This trickery, this, what have you done? And Laban says, well, you know, in our culture, the first daughter can't be married until the second daughter, so you can still have her, but you have to work for me another seven years. So that's what Jacob did. So he works for seven years. And in that time, talk about family mess. You think it was complex with Isaac and Rebecca. It just gets even more so because now you have one man with two wives. And the um, Leah, you know, Jacob loves Rachel. He, he, he doesn't love Leah. I, I would imagine there was probably a little bit of frustration just all around. And anyway, so uh, 
Leah has a child, and Leah has another child, and Leah has another child. Next thing you know, Rachel's not giving you children. So Rachel says, well, here, you take my maidservant, and maybe, and you're seeing the generational sins of Abraham come out. And next thing you know, there's four women involved. Messy. Really, really messy. Once again, makes our families look great. Or at least human. So, anyway, then the favor... Because God told Jacob, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do what I've promised to do. They prosper, fast forward, I don't know how many years, but there's grandchildren involved now for Laban. And, they, and God meets Jacob and says, it's time for you to go back. Go back to Canaan. Go back to your land. So they go back. And here's Jacob. They're like sneaking out. They don't want Laban to find out. Laban meets them on the way. What? You're taking my children, my grandchildren, and you didn't tell me how to bless you. I mean, you got two people working things. Crazy, crazy. They work it out. God tells Laban, don't hurt him. Don't harm him. I'm with him. They go back. And so then Jacob gets, he gets to the point where he knows, I'm fast forwarding, you can read all this, and um, paraphrasing completely. He gets to where he knows that he's going to see Esau. Decades have passed. This is not a quick story. The last time Jacob left, why did he leave? He, fear of his life for Esau. So he's like, okay, Esau's coming, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to send a bunch of gifts. I'm going to give him stuff. I'm going to make him see I'm a good brother. He's not going to kill me. Fear of man still in play. And um, he has this little, and then he comes to this point where one night he ends up meeting a man, which is a capital M, and it's the Lord, and they wrestle. They wrestle, and, and, and Jacob, and, and the man, capital M, says, you know, hey, need to go, and Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And the Lord said, okay. And he touched his hip, and Jacob walked in a new way. And he was given a new name. And he said, no longer will you be Jacob. Because see, names mean something. You'll be Israel, prince with God. God wanted to do what he wanted to do through Jacob's life from before Jacob was born. God wants to do what he wants to do in your life before you took your first breath. He wants to do what he wants to do in this house before this house ever was. And he's saying, now, go back to Bethel. Go back to the house of God where I've spoken the word of what I've said. But So Jacob says, okay. He's take, well, he meets Esau. They get along just fine. It all works out. The chapter before this, though, Jacob's sons, you can read it. You'll still see the mess of humanity. It's amazing to me the grace and the goodness of God in spite of us. 
And when we get a hold of that, then we have so much grace and goodness of God towards others in spite of where they are. So God tells Jacob, go back to 35, arise, go to Bethel and dwell there and to make an altar there to God. Okay, so Bethel means house of God. God is telling Jacob, go back to the place that I visited you. How many of you can say, as I'm talking, you can think of a time that God encountered you and you had your own Bethel? And he spoke to you and he said some things to you that seemed totally impossible. But you know that you know that you know that you were at Bethel, the house of God. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't make it happen. He just came. I'll tell you my first Bethel, my first original Bethel, I was a hurt little girl. My parents, I had prayed that God would not allow my parents to get a divorce. And my dad moved out, and I moved out on Holden Beach. Holden Beach is my Bethel. And I moved out like if there was a physical Bethel, you know. But anyway. <laughs> and I, I, I remember as a little girl, 9, 10 years old, and I run out. And, and see, here's the thing. is like I trusted God, and so I thought I can't grieve because I'm trusting God. And so I like turn off the emotion, but then this thing rose up in me. Is I'm going to prove to my parents I can get I can get married. I'm going to show them they can make a marriage. How to make a marriage work? I knew nothing, <laughs> but I thought I knew everything. And I said that out loud. I judged my parents, and I made a vow. And this thing of my flesh just jumped into motion. And God met me there. And he could have said a zillion things. He could have told me I was making a judgment and a vow. He could have told me, uh, but you know what he told me? He said, I have a husband for you. And he's going to love me. I mean, he's going to love me. God's talking to me. Like a a 19-year-old girl doesn't think this way. Your husband's going to love me more than he loves you. But because of that, he's going to love you really well. And he said, he's going to be the spiritual leader in your home. I didn't know what that, I mean, it's not like we had family discussion. I mean, our family was messed up. (laughs) And then he said, you're going to be in ministry together one day. But you know what was in motion? Was the vow that I made. And I'm spending all my time growing up out of that. And then at 20, he met me again. And he reminded me of that day. So that's my story. There's things corporately that God has spoken. Okay, I'm, gonna just, like, I'm just trying to help you relate to uh, what I mean by Bethel. Are y'all? Yes. Okay. It's 11.45. If, if, I, I want, I, if I'm standing here preaching myself, I want to deliver what God has put in my spirit. If you need to go, Feel free to go. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. So, when we... Now, I'm going to put it on a corporate level. Because I feel like God is saying, go back to Bethel, this house. Go back to Bethel. And so, I imagine we'll be discovering that as we are on this journey. But I'll tell you the thing that jumped in my spirit the morning I was reading this several weeks ago. And that was, we were in Atlanta 
God had spoken to us about coming up here for this church plant. And um, we, we were praying, seeking the Lord, his timing, his way. We just want your presence. If your presence doesn't go with us, I mean, don't send us from here. Atlanta was a very fruitful place for us. Honestly, I could have died there and been happy, except for not really because it's not what he called me for. But at the time, everything that my little girl heart had wanted, I saw in the natural. And then you know, God started speaking about us coming up here. And so he made it so prophetically clear. I mean, that's not what this is about, but there was without question this is where we were supposed to be. And I will be here no matter what it looks like until he makes it clear our part is done. And that, you know, that there have been a number of times I'm like, I'm done. This is hard. And at the same time, I'm like, you know, he may one point move us on and raise some. I don't It's his church. King of glory is his church. So we once... But the thing that came to our memory, we were praying with my friend Cecile. She loves this house. We pray weekly together for this house. We've been here, I don't know, what, 17 years? We were praying. And Sam was praying, oh, God. Because, you know, there's a lot to, like, build a church. And we're, like, thinking all those, all those things. And he's praying, oh God, he's like all the things that you might imagine someone would think about if you're going to uproot and leave to plant a church. And he's praying those things, and all of a sudden, our friend Cecile says, Sam, I hear the Lord say, if you build the altar, I'll build the office. If you make a place for worship in my presence, and that is priority, me, I'm going to build the rest. And that doesn't mean we just snap our fingers because there are places of partnering with him. But when I read, go back to Bethel, and I thought in context of what the Lord is saying for such a time as this, is this body, prophetically, that's why we're having this worship service next Sunday. So they go back, and, and, and Jacob tells them, see, when he fled, it was just him. When we came here, it was just us. And now there's more of us. And, and we've gone through stuff, just like every church goes through stuff, and every family goes through stuff. But the thing is, God is over all that. He's in everything. He holds it all together. It's just good news. Jesus is just great news. God told Jacob, arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there. What does dwell mean? And I'm not saying that we won't, I mean, we will still have the word, but we're going to keep his presence and worship the main thing. And let everything that happens from this house flow from his presence. Because you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in my own strength, my own gifts, my own abilities, the things he's given me, or yours. I mean, I'm thankful for him. But I don't want to strive and manipulate to try to do my best, I mean, to live for God. 
I want to come to that place where I'm in Christ and he is in me and it's his church. And when he says move, we'll move. And when he says wait, we'll wait. And that's uncomfortable because we kind of like to know where we're going and what it's going to look like along the way. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you. It is interesting. So Jacob tells everyone, put away your foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself. Change your garments. And let's arise and go up to Bethel. That's what this week is about. And it's not mine to tell you what that looks like for you. But just say, Lord, help me to be ready to come together next week and give you the praise and the worship and the glory and the honor that's due to you. This whole time we are just coming saying we are here for you. We love you. And to go past the outer court, past the thanksgiving, past the praise to the holy of holies where we are undone in his presence. If that's what he so desires to do next week. Let me, let me tell you something. That's going to take some intentionality. I just want to encourage you and, and, and hear my heart. I feel like there are little changes that must take place for us to actually, that seem seemingly little with big impact. And if we can begin to do, not because I'm saying something, or but because God's putting it on to you, you make that shift in faith. I think we're going to be amazed at what he begins to do. Um, this week, anybody that knows me, I'm going to give you an example. Anybody that knows me, anybody that's been at my house, what would you say about my kitchen clocks? They're fast. As long as I have had stewardship of a clock, I've set it fast. I'm not really sure why. I just have. It's just my thing. And it's kind of comical because the kitchen clocks are 10 minutes fast. Our bedroom clocks, 15 minutes fast. My car clocks, 15 minutes fast. And I've lived like this. And my husband's had to live like this. My children have had to live like this. Anybody that comes to our house has, has to live like this. And it's just like, oh, that's just the thing she does, you know. And um, I can't tell you. The only time I remember when we had Jeremy, Sam's grandmother came to visit, and she set all my clocks on time without telling me. It messed me up. I'm like, boy, this fourth kid is my ruin to being on time or even close. And so it's just been my thing. So um, I was in our bedroom and I was looking at the clock. I'm like, man, that thing has like gone ahead of itself. I mean, it's like 29 minutes ahead of itself. I don't, I mean, I didn't do that. It was 15 and somehow or another it had worked its way to 29 minutes. And I'm just like, huh. And so I'm there and I'm thinking, I need to get this back to the 15 minutes. I get back to my system. So I'm there and I'm like, I'm like fixing it. I'm getting it 15 minutes fast. And I hear the Lord say, really? you're really going to keep doing this? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to get on your time. I'm in real time. I'm in sync with you. And I go through and I change every clock in my house, my car clock, and I get it right on time. And I send a text to my family. And I'm going, hey, because I have to tell them. <laughs> and I have to tell you because you're used to looking at my clocks and thinking you've got time that you don't have anymore. <laughs> I 
texted the group text. I said, man, big things are happening at 212 Clear Vista Circle. And in my Marana, the time is real time. In case you happen to be near the house, you need to know. Man, you'd have thought I had told them I was having a fifth child. <laughs> <laughs> Amy sends me this, like, woohoo, mama's in it. I mean, they had been waiting for me. And I just thought, that little thing, that little step of obedience. I, I can't tell you how many people go, why do you do that? Why don't I just do it? Was it wrong? No. But man, the minute God spoke to me, I'm going to make an adjustment. I'm going to tell you something. If we are really believing, we come together, if we're believing he's here and we're here to worship him, I'm just going to exhort you to the best. I know there's reason. There's all kinds of warfare that happens on a Sunday morning just to get here. I understand that. But I say let's plan on coming here a quarter till 10 so that we can come together as one into the presence of God. And even better than that, how about coming at 9.30 and praying with us about what God wants to do, that we'd be ready, that we're not waiting, going, wow, you know, you start, it's like 10 people are here, hoping somebody's going to show up. Well, I mean, you know, like, if you knew that Jesus was going to be here, I bet you could, we'd have people who like, he's here. And I don't mean that condemnation. I just know that that is a real thing to get us off. And then the, th the little things that happen. Let me tell you what worship is not. It is not my favorite song. It is not the sound that I want. It is not whether the... God bless Julie. Where is she? She was working really hard to, to get this working this morning and Kristen working. And, I, you know, I don't know what that was, like, hitting in people, but I can guess. Why are the songs? I mean, like, like we are human. And we do those kinds of things. Or why are they wearing that? And why, and why is he singing that way? I really can't stand that voice. Those things are not worship. And we are all privy to it. We can all fall into it. But if we go, you know what? It really is not about me or what I want. I got to trust that whoever's leading worship has been seeking the Lord about those songs. And I got to trust if something's happening here in the world, where are the words? Well, you know what? If we are dependent about lyrics being up there to be able to worship our God, we are in really serious business off the course. And I'm saying this house is going back to the house of worship. And I don't care if we don't have electricity. And I don't care if we don't have musicians. We are going after the presence of God. And if that means the tambourine just bother me, it doesn't matter because I'm going after God. Not that it bothers me. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I could hear all this this morning. Let's see, but I have to say that because I don't want the enemy to twist that. Because he's been doing that. And I'm saying God is about to move and the enemy is going to overtime to bring schism and division. And we have to say no. No. I say no in Jesus' name. And I will do whatever I can to yield to you. Oh, God, because you're king. When they went back and they went back to Bethel, he, he built that thing and he said, this is El Bethel, which means this is the God of the house of God. No longer just the house of God, but we are putting our attention and our gaze on El Bethel, God of the house of God. When we come here, it's not about what king of glory in this house. It is about the God of the house of this God. Yeah. You're trekking with me? Okay. 
I'm just going to wrap this up. There's so much more. I'll just say this. Extravagant worship, it can create offense. And, and hear me out. Really, hear me out. Don't start just doing stuff to be silly. Like, like, well, I saw this like 15 years ago. I think this must be what the glory looks like. I mean, if God leads it, great. But don't be offended if you don't understand where someone is. You may have no idea what God is doing in that child, your brother, your sister. You know, David, when he brought the tabernacle, he danced so furiously, twirling. And he's just having the best time in the Lord, in the presence of God. And, and his wife looks at that and she goes, who is this, the king that will be dancing around in his skivvies in the town? Because he, he had thrown off his outer garments and who knows? I mean, I don't think he was completely, but anyway. That judgment created a barrenness. That's how serious this is. I want a fruitfulness in this house. I don't want a barrenness. And you know what? Let's say someone's off. Like, like they, 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 they're spending 50 years of their life, or at least, you know, 41, with a time fast. You know what? God was big enough to get my attention when it was time to get on time, with his time. It's not our job to point out where people are. You have no idea. What if they're doing exactly what he's saying? Because, you know what? I know Mary of Bethany, she went in and she broke a costly jar of perfume and it was offensive. It cost her something. What if it did catch us something to have to set up our clocks 45 minutes early so that we could all be here 9.30, 9.45 and we can start together in one accord because when we're in unity and when we're in one accord, that's when the glory is going to come. And it comes from here and it flows out. See, here's the thing. I just want to let you know, it is not enough for us to have a good time with the Lord here. It is for us to get in his presence so that we can hear his voice and have his heart and to go. Evangelism and, and the harvest is going to come from the flow. Isaiah is going, um, whoa, it's me, holy, holy, holy. And, and God, you know, he's like undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He's worshiping the Lord, and then he hears, who will go? It's not enough just for us to have a good time with the Lord. I want to have a good time with him in his presence is the fullness of joy, but I want to have his heart that we can go and see the harvest. I want my Jesus to receive the reward of his suffering. And I don't, I'm getting past how I look. And I'm getting past pettiness. This is life and death we're talking about. Whether we realize it or not, there's an everyday interaction we have with people. Are we drawing them closer? Are they seeing Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory? Are they experiencing? Because see, when you're in his presence, not only do you have his heart, he transforms you. That the world would see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And there's something about our quiet. Here's another thing. Can I just throw out a little bit, another little thing? Okay. If you think 
that just coming through these doors on Sunday on time, but you have not yet cultivated your own personal time in the presence, you're going to have a hard time really getting in sync with what God's doing here. If you are looking for the person up here to lead you into the presence of the Lord, and you're not already walking with him in the cool of your day, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And it's not that they're not doing their part. I'm just saying we have a responsibility on our own connection with the Lord and yielding to him and learning how to worship. And I just, can I just throw out something else that just popped in my mind? You know, we value our children in this house as worshipers. His word says, you're out of the mouths of children, you've ordained praise. And sometimes it gets a little distracting. And that's another thing. We could get offended over that. Are we going to come into unity? And I, I mean, and, and, and there's the balance. But I'm going to say this. Parents, I have parents through the years ask me, how come your children are worshipers? And I'll tell you, if we didn't pray it in them. We did it together at home. I said we didn't pray it in them. I mean, we did pray for them to be worshipers. But we worshiped together at home. Our children saw us having our own personal times. Our children saw us coming together and praying. Our children on a regular basis saw us. And we would, you know, here's the thing. When you have littles, I'd say um, five under they naturally want to be with you and be like you. They think it's the biggest thing to walk around in mommy and daddy's shoes. Capitalize on that. We, you know, we, um, we've always been in churches that our children have been present in worship. And I understand it is, um, it, it is work at times. I remember the times going behind to go into a corporate service and I have to wonder if what they're doing, rolling around, whatever, you know. So we got, we got, to, we got to teach them, and so we were intentional. We do a half, a fast. We, you know, I make a little. Well, back then, I burn a CD or I don't know how we did it, but anyway, we do a fast song, dance around, clap. We we dance. I learned how to worship and freedom worshiping with my kids. You don't have to teach a kid how to. Have you ever? Well, Charlotte's not here. Man, put music on. And she's like this. It's just in them. You know, we need our children here because they free us. Jesus says, unless you become like them, we spend so much time trying to make them like us. Oh, God, forgive us. And then we put kind of a slower down so they learn how to just stand clap. Like the things that Kimberly's been teaching us, we, we and, and here's the thing. I need to ask your forgiveness because I just thought everybody was wired that way. And I realize now, God gave us some wisdom. We'd stand and clap, and we'd kneel down. They'd kneel down. Because they want to be like us. They want to be with us. And the time got, when they got older, and we thought, you know, people like, oh, I don't want to make my kids worship at home. I don't want it to be religious. How many of you make your children brush their teeth? I mean, raise your hand if you have kids, and you're going to make them brush their teeth. You gonna make them read? Are you concerned they're gonna be religious? No, because we know that we're teaching them, we're training them. And a time would come where it got to be where we would the 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 um, 
Well, let me get back to it. So, and then we would like create a, a slow song where they'd have to learn how to be still. Like, I wanted them, when they came on Sunday, that they, it wouldn't be like a foreign language. Be like, oh, this is what we do at home. I'd say, bring your, we have all this space up here. Bring your kids up here. And you know what? If a kid's crying, don't, 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 don't get it. You know, and hey, if you, like Kristen, Kristen, can I just point you out for a second? She, you know, Mike's up here leading. She has four kids. You know, she could probably use some assistance. She does a fantastic job. She really does. But if you see a, a young couple <clears throat> or mom just looks like, man, and she's just like, say, hey, can I, can I worship with your kid? You know, let's, let's be a house that helps bring our children to Jesus together. And, um, and then we would, we'd, we practice stillness. And then we'd ask them, can we be still? Ask Jesus if he has anything he wants to say to you. We're cultivating in them an ear to hear. We're expecting if we made space to take our children to meet Jesus, that Jesus would meet them. On the way to church, we'd be going, okay, guys, why are we going to church? We're going to worship Jesus. That's right. And we're keeping it before them. Last week, and I'll close, there were three impressions that I kept having, and I just want to revisit this. I, I'll tell you something. The past two times in push, we, we've gone like something's different. And God is showing up. We've, we've, been, doing, we've been meeting together. I think we started it in the fall, and um, it's shifting. And two weeks ago, I was like, wow, we are right, I'm telling you, we are right on his time. I don't want to be ahead, I'm lagging behind, in sync. And the next week, the level of warfare was great. How many would say in the past 10 days you've had things break down? Miscommunications, irritations. Have y'all have y'all seen those kinds of things happening? If you have, just raise your hand. See, we can't be ignorant of the enemy schemes. If God is telling us as a house to go back to Bethel, the, and if God is getting, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's things. I don't know. It's his time. But if we're one step closer to what he's saying, and he has us pause at that place for a while, I'm okay with that because he is God and we're not. You think the enemy's excited about that? You think he's going to do everything he can to create offense, schism, frustration, miscommunication? He's crafty. My guess is just as God has been as intentional to lead us the past three years to where we are right now, I think the enemy likewise has, has been, he's not going to try to just show up 
in a Captain Obvious way. He's going to be subtle here and there. And all of a sudden, you find yourself going, what in the heck is going on? I feel so confused. How did this happen? So we just need to, and I'm not saying that to, to give him any credit because he is a defeated foe, but I do feel like it's important to say, do not be unaware of his schemes. And last week, you know, I had three impressions. The first one is about the, the eye of the needle and, and going low. Going low. And the second one was shaking things off. You know, some things can just be, you have a little thought, well, I wonder what they looked at me that funny. Just shake that off. It's dumb. Just shake it off. It's not worth giving the enemy a, 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 a a second. It's just not worth it. If you know there's something that's been flying around, you look down, that thing's about to bite me, suck my blood. You're going to, if you had a mosquito, you'd slap it. Just deal with it. You don't care what stings coming to you. It's not worth having that itchy allergic reaction and irritation. Just deal with it. Last Wednesday, are y'all okay? I appreciate your time. Um, last Wednesday at prayer, I was talking about the camel, and I was reminded of a dream um, that I don't believe we've shared corporately. I think a handful of people have known. We had this. Honestly, I had, I had this dream. I don't even know that we were even a pit at that point. We were just Sam and Eliza loving Jesus, part of the local church. And I'm going to share this dream with you because I feel like it's the posture of where we need to go. Is that okay? So in the dream, we were sitting about where Malia and that group is. Raise your hands so they know. They're like, thank you so much, Eliza. <laughs> but it was a little bit deeper. But we were towards the back, Sam and I. And we had responsibilities that day to be where Barry is at the end of the service, greeting people, saying goodbye to them. And so we were attuned. That's why we were there. And our pastor... Um, got up and he introduced there was a guest speaker I don't remember who it was I didn't recognize him and that guest speaker gets up and turns and, and looks out and he, he points to Sam and I and he began to like prophesy over us and um, I've never really seen anything like it and I can't remember what he was saying, but it was like what was demonstrated um, in our marriage. It was a picture of Christ in the church. But as he was talking, without us communicating, we both just went low. And it was the sense was, we don't want any attention to ourselves. Don't 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 call us out to be seen. We just, you know, and we could not, we weren't talking, but we were in such unity, the two of us. And we get down and, and we get on our knees and it wasn't low enough. And next thing I know, we were laying prostrate in this dream, face down. And we were both going, can we get through the carpet, through the concrete and into the dirt? 
not in a self, woe is me, but just like, oh, don't know, this is God. Anything in our life right is, is God. And so we like, we're face down and we just lay face down still, prostrate before the Lord the whole entire service. I can't tell you what all happened. I don't remember. But I remember the next thing I know, I hear Lair, or pastor say, well, it's very clear that the Spirit of God is moving. If you have to leave, we want to release you to do that. But please don't interrupt what the Lord is doing. We want to stay in what he's doing. We want to honor you. So he's telling that. So Sam and I, like our position is to be back at the door, right? So we've been face down. And so we're thinking, oh, we need to, we need to get in our position. Someone might leave and we need to say goodbye to them. So we stand up. And this is the first time we've raised or looked around. And when we stand up, the entire congregation is face down on the ground. We didn't know that. I don't know how they got there. But something had happened that they responded. And so we, we were like, wow, look at this. And so we get up and we move back to the door. And sure enough, we see this person heading out. In my mind, in Sam's mind, we were thinking, so glad you came today. Have a great week or whatever you say when you're at the door. That's, like, that's what we're going to do. And we reach out and this person, I just, just did that. No contact, no nothing. They're over on the glory of God. I tried to say, I don't know what happened in the, this other language. It was like the spirit of God. It's like, as we emptied ourselves, and as we went low and the body went low, all of us low, God's spirit filled us up and overflowed beyond even our natural, what we think we're doing. And we were right in time with him. And I woke up. So this week I was reminded of that and this camel and um, someone, I shared that dream back in Atlanta. And someone shared with me, well, that reminds me of the eye of the camel. I'd never heard of the eye of the camel. And um, I was like, cool. Eye of the needle. So yesterday, this, this true story. Like, I don't know how this stuff happens except for I believe that the Lord is saying, pay attention. I don't want to add anything. I don't want to tell you what to think about it. I just say pray and let's ask the Lord. How can we position ourselves, all of us, to get out of his way that his glory would fall in unity and that he can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. So yesterday, I go to my bookshelf because I'm thinking, we're, you know, I'm going to help prepare people to come. We're going to worship God next week. So I'm looking on my bookshelf for resources that I have about um, worship. And as I, as I go around and I'm looking, at, I, I see this book called The Eye of the Needle that honestly, true story, I've never seen before that I can remember. I love to read. I buy books. Now, people give us books, you know, so maybe someone gave us a book. I don't know. 
So I, I flip through it and I read it. The front of it says, trust in God, don't trust in riches, March, Mark um, 10, 23. For our Pat with much love. So somehow Pat's book <laughs> ended up on Sam and Eliza's shelf. And so I read it. And I'm going to paraphrase it because it's written in the these and the thous. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that whoever shared with me about this, I, I feel pretty confident that it's about this story. So can I read this to you? And this writer, I don't know anything about her. Like, I, I don't know. But it just says, um, prophetic parables. So this is a parable. Jesus taught in parables. So here's this parable. I stood among the sons and daughters of God. My heart was filled with enthusiasm. My life was given to the purposes of God. Upon that day, I said to God, I will do mighty exploits in your name. And the Lord said to me, what is it, son of man, that you would have? I said, Lord, if only I could be among those who play sweetly on an instrument or who sing well in the house of the Lord, then I would do great things for my God. And the Lord came to me, and he gave me the desire of my heart, and he stood me among people, and he let me play, and he let me sing. And I saw the day when hearts of men were moved by the things that the Lord had given to me. And after the hearts of men were moved, I stood back and I said to myself, Now I'll be content, for I've been able to move the hearts of men. But in my secret hour, I bowed my heart before my God. And I said, Lord, you've given me what I've asked for, but my heart is heavy. I have a longing for something more. He came to me again in the night season, and he asked me, Child, ask of me again the thing that you would have of me. I said, Lord, I see men bowed by burdens low. I see hearts were broken. I see sadness and discouragement. Give me the ability, the power of spoken word that I can speak your word and their hearts would be delivered. And the Lord came to me and said, Child, I have given these things to you which you have desired. So with great joy, I marched before the people of God. And in my youth and enthusiasm, I spoke the word of God and people were delivered. I spoke the word, and their hearts were made whole. I knew what it was to see the brokenhearted bound and healed to pour out the oil of joy for mourning. And while men were praising God and glorifying his name, I went back to my secret chamber, and I bowed my head in sorrow. I said, God, my God, I'm not satisfied. He came to me again. He said, what is it that you desire of me? And I said, oh God, give me the ability, the power in my hands that just as you did, I might lay my hands on the sick and they would recover and healing would flow. And he said, it is done as you have asked. And from that day, I went to the nations of the earth and I saw the sick raise from their sick bed. And I saw pain and suffering go away. I was rejoicing as I went in my secret place and I bowed my head before the Lord and I said, now my God, I'll be satisfied for you have given me that which I have desired. No sooner had the words come out of my mouth 
when my heart began to ache and cry. And I said, God, I don't understand this. Again, my heart is sad. And I said, Lord, will you just one more time give me the thing I asked for? And he said, it is done. God, I desire to go and pray against the principalities and powers and the powers of the wicked places in this world in spiritual darkness and high places. And he said, surely I'll give it to you. Now go. So I went and the Lord allowed me to go and to dens of iniquity and holes and dives where men hide from the light because of sin and evil that is upon them. And in that day, I saw demons cry out at the very presence and the power of God that rested. And I went back to my secret place and I said, God, I've asked thee for all desire and still my heart is not satisfied. Nor do I feel that I've touched the thing you've called me to. In my youth, I'd expend myself with all the things my heart desired. One more time, a gracious and loving God visited me in the night. Jeremy, if you'd come on up. And he said, now what is it you desire? In brokenness of heart, I bowed before him. And I said, God, the only thing I desire is the desire for you to give to me whatever you desire. And he said, come with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. And he took me past my friends. He took me past those with whom I'd come into the house of the Lord. He took me to a desolate place. He caused me to go to a place alone in the wilderness. And I said, God, you've cut me off from those I love. What are you doing to me? And he said, I take you to the place where all men must come if their heart's cry is to be fulfilled. At that hour, I bowed before a gate that is called the eye of the needle. There before the eye of the needle, I heard the voice of the Lord say, bow low. I bowed low, and he said, no, lower. So I bowed lower, and he said, yet lower. You did not go yet low enough. And so I went as low as I could go. I had upon my back my books of learning, and I had my instruments of music, and I had with me my gifts and abilities. And he said to me, you have too much. You can't go through the gate. I said, God, you gave me these books. You've given me all these abilities. And he said, drop them or you won't go. So I dropped them and I went out on through the very small gate that is called the eye of the needle. And as I went through the gate, I heard the voice of the Lord say, now rise to the other side. And as I rose, a very strange thing happened to me. For lo, the gate, which was so small that I must lay aside everything, was so wide I could not feel it. I stood in the presence of God and I said, God, what is this thing you've done to me for now? My soul is satisfied. And he said, you have come through the gate of worship. Now come up on the circle of the earth and I'm going to show you a great mystery. I'm going to reveal unto you things I'm doing in my sons and daughters. The Spirit of the Lord caught me away and he took me above the circle of the earth, higher than the eagle flies and beyond where the clouds can rumble, beyond where the sun shines and the moon finds her path. And there at the throne of my God, he said, look down upon my people. And I saw strange things. I saw my companions gather around a small gate, and I saw them wringing their hands and crying. 
They were saying to one another, God has given me these instruments of war. This sword is my sword. I will work against the enemy. I will bring the enemy down. I, will, I, I can't go through this gate for it. If I go through the gate, I must put my sword down. God's called me to be a warrior, and therefore I will not do it. I heard another say, me? Lay down my instrument of music? Lay down all that God has given me just to go through that silly little gate to be nothing but a bare man who comes out on the other side stripped of everything? I cannot do this thing. And I saw them as they stood aside in their pride, afraid to bow themselves before a very small gate. And then I saw again, the Lord brought me closer to a gate, and I saw a man bow low, laying down everything he had had. And he came through the very wide gate on the other side. His instruments of music were there. His sword was there. His books was there. The authority God had given him was there. The word of the Lord came to me and said, Go now and tell this before the people. I've given them extreme talents and much ability. I've called those who play instruments to play. But I say to you this day, if you don't come through the very small gate, which is the gate of worship, and bow low, and lay before me your instruments, your talents, your abilities, your vision, your power, your agenda. You should not always be among, you will only be among those who are able to minister to the hearts of men. And you'll be able to bless the hearts of men. But there is a gate in the church in this hour, which is a very small gate. And through that gate, only those who are worshipers will go. These ones will lay their talents before God. These ones will say, God, we will be worshipers. And through that wide gate they will come, and they will come through the wide gate, hear the word of the Lord. They will arise on the other side, not to minister to God, to men, but to minister to God. I present before you a choice. You cannot, you can minister to men, and I'll cause you to sway the hearts of men with your talent. Or you can humble yourself as one passing through a very low gate and become a worshiper of God. And then you shall minister to the king. So I just want to give us an opportunity. Whatever the Lord's been stirring in you, this is actually a very private, individual thing so that we can come together ready, corporately. We're just going to sing this song. I'm coming back to a heart of worship. And this week, I'd encourage you greatly, Lord, what do I need to do to shake off? What things do I need to shake off? What things do I need to um, squat? What things do I need to lay down? What agendas, what way I think it should be done? All of that, whatever, whatever he shows you. How do you, like idolatries, it's not like y'all are all going around carrying statues that you're bound down before, but we can have that idolatry of I don't understand. Or we can have that idolatry of a zillion different things. Ask the Holy Spirit, I don't know, let's just get rid of whatever idols that might prevent anything that takes our affection or time or distraction from the living God who's worthy of all praise and glory and honor and let's not 
come and think about what we're going to sing for two hours. We, let's just go and let God be God, and we're just going to worship him, and we're going to be extravagant, and we're going to give him everything. We're going to lay down everything and just say, Lord, we just desire you, and we want to set our gaze on you, and we want to acknowledge you for who you are, the eternal, uncreated God who's over everything, King of kings and Lord of lords, and just come, your spirit full and ready, and just ready to honor him with your body, honor him with your voice, honor him with your stillness. Whatever he shows you, but go, let's go after him. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.